0: Hello and welcome to End Credits here on CFRU 93.3 FM, CFRU.ca. That's Guelph Campus and Community Radio. I'm your host, Anime Donaldson. And Happy New Year, everyone. Happy 2023. Uh, You made it to the future. And uh, that was kind of in doubt the last few years. But uh, we have landed in the year 2023. It's the year of Zardoz, actually so you have that to look forward to if you don't know zardoz uh google image search it you'll get some pretty interesting pictures of sean connery in i don't know can you call it a loincloth if it has straps i don't know just do yourself a favor and google zardoz it's a great way to start 2023 end credits is a local movie show for local movie fans we are here every wednesday at 3 p.m to talk the latest in pop culture and review the newest movies this week, though, we are kind of on an extended holiday break, so we are going to revisit some of our greatest hits from the last year, or should I say some of the greatest animated hits of the last year. Yes, this episode is dedicated to three animated movies that were big hits in the last year, big hits with us. Big hits with the audience, too. Uh, Very well received. Likely are going to be up for Oscars, too. It was a pretty big year for animation, and it would be pretty hard to narrow it down to just three if we hadn't recorded full interviews for these three. Or I should say full reviews, um, which we did. And uh, we are going to tackle them in this order. So first up, we are going to have a review of the Pixar hit, Turning Red. And Candice reviewed that with me uh, earlier in 2022. It came out in the spring. After that, uh, we're going to review Richard Linklater's Apollo 10 and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. That one was uh, with Peter Salmon. And that came out a little bit after Turning Red, and it is available on Netflix. I should point out Turning Red is available on Disney Plus as well, so check that out. And then we'll wrap things up with uh, the review Tim Phillips and I did of the charming stop-motion mockumentary Marcel the Shell with Shoes On. And that came out in the summer of last year, and it's currently available on VOD. So if you want to check out any of these movies before or after listening to this show... Uh, I would highly encourage that as for right now we are going to kick things off with the review of Turning Red and then Apollo 10.5 A A Space Age Childhood and then Marcel the Shell with shoes on so enjoy these uh, shortened versions of our full reviews of these animated hits and we will see you again next week so let's throw things to the review of Turning Red that Candace and I did Earlier cry, last year, let's go.
1: you, I've never
0: met nobody like you Have friends and I've had buddies It's true that they don't turn my
1: tummy The way you do I've never met nobody
2: like me
1: Thornton's coming to Toronto! What? You're gonna be chill. Got that? Mm -hmm. Chill. May? Are you a werewolf? No, what?
2: He's a red panda!
1: Sick. You're so fluffy! You're so fluffy! I've
2: always wanted a tail. Priya, Abby, quit it. May, what the heck happened? It's just some, you know, inconvenient uh, genetic
0: thingy I got from my mom. I mean, It'll go away. Eventually. Maybe. (sighs) Okay, so that was a clip from Turning Red. It is the new film from Dami Shi, and it features the voice talents of Rosalind Chang, Sandra Oh, Ava Morse, Haiyan Park, Maitrai Ramakashkin, Orion Lee, Wei Chung Go, and James Hong, who is, if you have any movie where uh, you have Asian characters. I believe James Hong is contractually obliged <laughs> to appear. I think he has like 5,000 credits on IMDb. so.
2: <laughs> and, and he's been acting for so long, you start to wonder, like, did he make a deal with the devil sometime to stop aging and be in every film? It's good for him if he did
0: yeah no he's he's great uh, i think there was a campaign a couple of years ago to get him out like a star in the hollywood walk of fame because you do have to pay for those things um but anyway uh we're here to talk about turning red which is toronto set and uh the first i mean it's full of firsts. it's a predominantly asian cast which is a first for pixar uh lone female director which is and also uh pixar first and I think it's hard to get into this movie without talking about like the the controversy last week Ugh. of the the Sean O'Connell, uh, yeah, Cinema Blend review, which uh, has since been taken down, thankfully. But it basically his basic argument was like, unless you are a teenage girl of Asian descent from Toronto, this movie is a little too narrow. Focused, which I don't know what movie he watched. That yeah. wasn't the movie I watched. <laughs> As a forty-year-old yeah. white guy,
2: <laughs> yeah, I, I mean, I don't know him. I never knew his name until this this review last week. But um, I sort of think that, like, he had to have gone into it with a bias, and you know, mm-hmm. uh, many of us have biases. We carry biases we don't even know, and mm-hmm. so you know i'm not saying that he's racist um but i'm saying that he he had an unknown bias for some reason he he was he went into it ready to only see the like uber specific chinese 12 year old girl points mm. uh yeah i agree i um i watched this film as well and like yeah no first of all any any uh woman who who grew up as a girl through puberty through sort of their first menstruation there's like maybe 15 minutes of this film that is just like oh my god do i really have to live through this because it was so well done you know it, it was so exactly you know the the doting mom who's like way too excited about your first period and oh my god we're gonna do this and then school it's just it's yeah um Mm -hmm. so already he's wrong there because as i said pretty much any woman who grew up as as a girl uh, you know of that age Mm -hmm. totally gets that plus the the boy band too (laughs) like that was universal not only was it I mean it was beyond universal. I went to the CNE at that age to see my boy band, the new kids on the block with my friends. Like it was it was <laughs> I could have been watching myself on this on this film. So this guy mm-hmm. um yeah. Yeah, he he went in pre-biased to to say that it was not universal. I mean it's not even just
0: you know, you have your specific points of references too, but I think, you know, everybody can sort of glom on to something whether it's you know being that kid in school that's a little too excited about going to school every day whether it's the overprotective mom whether that's like being thoroughly embarrassed
3: by
0: your overprotective mom like those mm-hmm. like those the scene where they go to the daisy mart which is
2: oh yeah first that of all so was cringy
0: <laughs> first of all can we like glory to the daisy mart reference in a big hollywood movie uh especially since it doesn't exist anymore but yes
2: um, yes r.i.p daisy mart
0: (laughs) but you know when i I mean it's all the steps leading up to the scene where she's got this notebook where she doodles these these fantasies um you know the the horror about like don't look at the don't look at the notebook don't look at the notebook and then the mom finding the notebook and then marching her down to the daisy mart to confront the guy (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> um, about the, the the romantic doodles in this notebook and doing it in front of the scorching rabble and there's a, there's this the part that it, that makes it kind of kind of takes the edge off the cringe because you feel the cringe but the part that takes the edge off is um, when the mom's talking to the, the the clerk and he has no idea who she's talking about and it, you know, maylin ling uh is the name of the little girl maylin lee and the 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 bully kid uh is it trevor or taylor i can't remember tyler is his tyler. name yeah and he it, it says like
2: oh this maylin lee right here this mm-hmm. Lee." thanks buddy
0: thanks <laughs> yeah. which made me laugh in the middle of this complete horror show that was going on <laughs> but uh yeah it's i mean there 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 is so much that i think is is universal about this which is um i think where that review got it wrong it's like i don't think the the specificity um of being set in toronto or about being about this ethnic group or about this being the specific gender or age group or whatever it is the specificity grounds it like the details, like the Toronto details, the streetcar tracks, the TTC, the Daisy Mart, the, the Skydome, not Roger Center, Skydome. And mm-hmm. I, saw, I saw a tweet before we started recording where somebody said, I think the whole point of it being set in 2002 was so it could be called Skydome and not Roger Center. <laughs> because yeah. to, to this day, people of a certain age, still will call it the Skydome. But yes, um, the, the specificity grounds it. It, it makes it real. The emotion is universal, but the, the, the having it in the Toronto set in this community gives it a, 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 a reality that um, I think makes it accessible. Because then you can sort of focus on the shared emotion of it, um, whether you're a boy or, or whether you're a female or whether you're white or Asian or whatever it is from Toronto, from anywhere other than Toronto. It's there really is a universality to to the emotion. Um, at this that I, I, I struggle to understand why he didn't get, get that.
2: Well, and not only that, you know, countless, countless movies and it's, it's to the point where it's a trope, everybody kind of, you know, counts it as a trope where mm. the city is a character, mm-hmm. right. Where the place where the event is happening or the movie is happening is so, you know, part of the whole story. That you see all these monuments, right? Obviously, Mm -hmm. New York City in every film that New York City is, you know, part of is there. But it's the Mm -hmm. same with other cities as well, right? Mm. Like, nobody nobody complains when (laughs) that's the case, Mm -hmm. right? Nobody said that James Bond, whatever film it was that's in New Orleans, you know, when they actually, you know go through mardi gras nobody complained oh i can't understand any of that unless you've ever been to mardi gras you're (laughs) never gonna understand this
0: well i mean it's even worse than that when you think about Luca, which is set in an italian seaside village i mean and also has like a very specific um grounded kind of like this is the place like it has this like all these minute details about how the place is laid out um because that director was thinking very specifically about some of uh, the the seaside Italian towns where he spent his summer. And of course um, the, the the director of, of turning red Domi, she is from Toronto. So she's thinking very specifically about the things from her life. But when Luca came out, nobody was like, oh, this is totally not going to appeal to anyone who isn't a fish monster from it, from Italy or whatever. It just, yeah. it, it just, you know, the, you know, and, you know, I don't think anyone felt excluded from. I don't think anyone feels excluded from this. I think we have a bunch of whiners online, but the 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 specificity grounds it in a way. It makes the place feel more real, and I'm like, this is. It's not like it's a scaled version of Toronto. I mean, it, it's it's it, it kind of exaggerated, but it has that Toronto feeling. It feels like it 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 is made by someone who knows those streets, mm-hmm. and.
2: Um, it's, well, it's just and, great
0: detail yeah
2: and and i will say so um domi Shi was the the director of the oscar winning short that pixar did um bow um, about yeah. the woman who you know makes a little dumpling and carries a dumpling around all the time and mm-hmm. you know until eventually she eats it and then yeah. <laughs> as it turns out it's a metaphor about like you know her son who she's babied and coddled and essentially consumed as a mother all of yeah. his life until now he's like i've got to go out on my own like yeah. it's just this beautiful story but i remember when i saw it in the theater i don't remember which film it was in front of but i saw it in the theater and immediately mm. i spotted i was like this is set in toronto i recognize those those seats because they were on a a, a bus a, a tcc bus yeah i was like that is a is a toronto transit bus and that is recognizable, and I love that it's in here because it's so like it could be any bus anywhere, and the only people who it matters to are the people who see yeah. it and go, "Oh, I recognize that."
0: Yeah, uh, Bao was in front of Incredibles too, by the way.
2: Oh, yeah, that makes sense.
0: Yeah, yeah, um, but I mean, there, there, there's a lot going on in this. If we're getting into the actual kind of story details too, like there are a lot of anime influences. Like, there's one scene where they're trying to raise money to go see the boy band Four town which um is not a real boy band but it, it's like <laughs> it really plays into the tropes of the boy band because you have robert who has who knows french and there's an mm-hmm. Aaron Z and an Aaron t <laughs> and,
2: and their music is great let me say i love the songs yeah.
0: it's good boy band music that's for sure um but the the like the details the as I was saying, they're trying to raise money to go see For Town, and there's one scene where they get the idea of using the red panda um, to, to raise the funds, like, selling pictures and things. And there's a scene where uh, May's eyes turn to dollar signs, which I found just such a – it's such a little anime detail, which mm-hmm. you've seen, like, in all types of anime shows um, – you know i I think sailor moon was probably a particular influence here (laughs) because there's the scene with uh turning into the panda where there's this kind of like pink mist that seemed very sailor moony um (laughs) but the you know things like the there's a scene where she's racing across the rooftops as the at night as the the panda and that seemed like she was uh, channeling Miyazaki there. There's, it's felt very magical and and uh, very f- fantastical, but it also felt, you know, th- there was a, a sort of elation to it. Um, there was real emotion to watching this character leap across rooftops. So like there are incredible influences from, you know, anime, from, you know, more, I don't know, uh artistic <laughs> artistic um you know uh, animation influences like like ha- Hayao miyazaki um but then it, it is also very much um a personal story too and you feel that you feel that with the camaraderie with uh, the best friends as well um there's great comedy in it there are a lot of so many great one-liners um <laughs> i love the the part where um They're talking about how their moms will let them go to the concert, and the one, the one girl, it's just like it's such a low key line. She was like, "My mom called. My mom says it's stripper music," (laughs) which (laughs) made me laugh. That you know, because it's it's such, it's such a line a mom would have about, uh, you know, a a four town style band. And I mean, there's so much, there's so much humor in it. There's so much art. It it is. um, Plus, I, you know the technical aspects of the animation too were really really well done like the fur feels so real the the animation on the fur there's a scene where the dad is cooking dinner that Mm. is uh straight up food porn in the middle of his (laughs) pixar movie (laughs) um with the the, the luscious animation of the soy sauce
2: um, flowing
0: out of the bottle it is uh you know the art I, i there is a lot to love about the artistry of the film
2: yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with you. But what I also like about this is that um, I, I feel like they didn't. So in Encanto, I was really mm. um, impressed with the animation.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: Um, but I would say like the, the way they built their characters in Encanto versus the way they built them here. In this film, I feel like the characters are built more like animation characters. Mm-hmm. you know they have more of the exaggerated features the exaggerated like body types that sort of thing whereas in canto i think they actually were trying a little bit more to um, kind of meet reality a little bit mm. with with the you know faces and and body types and stuff like that but i think that that works here because it is such a youthful story yeah not that in isn't but you know this is really you know by and about and for people who are sort of that age and can feel mm-hmm. you know see that there's so much there's there's so much to to for younger people to really see here too mm. like i i also think because you know we have talked about how like turning into this panda sort of the metaphor for menstruation and and becoming a woman mm-hmm. um but then we also get you know, the the fact that all of the women before her, like all of her aunts and her mom and her grandmother, all had to go through this too, right. and we get to see how that has affected all of them. Mm. Um, and there's this really great story of how you know mothers and daughters have to have to interact with each other, and how really really difficult it is in that that age
3: Let me tell you about life back then. It was a great time and place to be a kid.
0: Living in the Houston area in the late 60s, and especially near NASA, was like being where science fiction was coming to life. The optimistic technological future was now, and we were at the absolute center of everything new and better. Leading the way was, of course, the space program. The space center was relocated to the outskirts of town in 1962. That same year, Houston started to build the world's first domed stadium, the eighth wonder of the world, the Astrodome. When they did the groundbreaking, instead of taking ceremonial digs in the earth with shovels, all the officials shot Colt 45 pistols into the ground instead. And that was a clip from Apollo 10 and Ten and a Half, A Space Age Childhood. It is the new film from writer-director Richard Linkletter. And it stars Milo Coy, Glenn Powell, Zachary Levi, Lee Eddy, Bill Wise, and Jack Black. So um, for people who may not know, Richard Linkletter, a very accomplished filmmaker, uh, well known for Dazed and Confused, Slacker, Boyhood, The Before Trilogy, Uh, somewhat... Well, actually, he's probably still well-known for his uh, animated films. So that's Waking Life and A Scanner Darkly. He has not ventured too far out into this realm for a while. So it's uh, actually almost 16 years. So it's nice to to, he's um, playing with the rotoscoping again. But Peter, you are the one who went into the Netflix and picked this out of the ether. And um, I actually... I had heard of Apollo 10 and a half. I did not know though, that it was a Richard Linkletter film, which I think is a real <laughs> letdown of the Netflix marketing machine. If such a thing even exists, because I'm pretty sure they just park stuff on there at times, but since you uh, drew it out of the hat, Peter, why don't you kick us off by talking about uh, why you wanted to go with Apollo 10 and a half?
1: Well, what, what disappointed you about uh that like Richard Linkletter is going in that kind of direction with Netflix, or
0: No no I wasn't disappointed at all what I'm disappointed in is that Netflix apparently just drops new Richard Linkletter films and don't and doesn't tell anyone
1: Oh that's okay absolutely that's what really bugged me it's uh the only reason I heard about it is because I love Richard Linkletter and I check his Wikipedia every once in a while right <laughs>
0: um
1: yeah no hype at all for it and uh you know even like leave out the richard Linkletter part critical claim director um jack black's also just really popular and famous so i i really think like you said it was just a, a netflix mistake they're really just yeah lazy a lazy drop with it um but going off of that i think it's remarkable i loved it absolutely um i'm not like a huge advocate for uh spa- like space travel like i don't love I don't love that sort of thing um, or like the, the kind of mindset towards it being a, a great choice in the 60s or, you know, Mars as a focus now or, or any of that jazz. I don't space is, you know, I, I'm an Earth man. I'm not too interested in, <laughs> in past uh, our ozone layer. But, you know, I. I as a reviewer, I pushed that aside and it's, it's a phenomenal film. Um, I really enjoyed the animation. I think anybody who enjoyed waking life or um, uh, scanner darkly, um, they would absolutely adore this. It's the same kind of animation. Um, you know, a lot of uh, live action footage, but with um, some drawing over top, or at least, you know, made to uh, look like that. And it is a, well, one thing I did like about it, uh, visually, in comparison to his others, like *A Scanner Darkly* clear *Waking Life*, is um, it was all a pretty realistic look at life. Everything was still natural. It wasn't in, you know, a lucid dream world where the animation is quite surreal. And it was a very great portrayal of, you know, I think Texas, where the uh, NASA is health. Um, and the voice acting was uh outstanding jack black perfect narrator and uh i enjoyed the the casting you know it was just uh voice work but uh bill wise is a regular and uh, nobody really knows him but he's he's in like every richard link letter as Mm -hmm. uh he's the he's the bad uncle in boyhood and a voice in a lot of others and um i personally he's like uh a real greasy dad in i-zombie the BW show so i always <laughs> it's i know him in that and then i'll see him in like a richard Linklater, you know kind of art film or at least you know art tour directed one and it's 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 very interesting but he was uh he was really great at the dad and i really like i'm in history uh, as you know adam was and i enjoy social history and this was a great look at um the rise of suburban life you know and say what you mm-hmm. want about that it's uh it's it's a fun uh a fun piece of history with all the um media involved and of course the whole, what this whole film's about airplanes so say we you want about the bourgeois it was a, a good look at uh something that is important to look at mm-hmm. yeah should- Too much narration that's the one that uh, <sighs> that was i think my most uh negative yeah that's my most negative comment towards it i love jack black but there was a. Uh, there was a whole lot of narration. There could have been more just, you know, silent looks at the animation of the kid's life. But that's the only real flaw I could think of.
0: I don't know. I think I disagree. I'm usually the one to rant and rave about the voiceover, but the voiceover didn't bother me. And I don't know if it's because um, it was Jack Black, but I think it's just the nature of the film, that it, it is this sort of uh, stream of consciousness. That's uh, true.
1: That's true. It was It was supposed to be a real vent of the child. So that's that's fair.
0: Yeah, so, you know, you get this introduction where um, Stanley is recruited to uh, fly a secret moon mission for NASA in advance of Apollo 11 because they built uh, a capsule (laughs) that was kid size and not adult size, which is, is, yeah, it's hilarious because that's exactly something a kid would come up with. Yeah. Um, (laughs) The best part of that scene is like when they're talking about his own math abilities, um, which then, then they talk about how they didn't size the capsule right which is ludicrously um self-deprecating but yeah and then it spins off into this like hey this is what living in suburban houston was like in the 1960s um it's interesting because i've i've heard the expression like okay boomer like yeah everything was better back in the 50s and 60s but this was this is this is not that it could have very easily slid into that. But, um, this is kind of like a clear eyed look back. And there's, there's a whole section about how cheap life was, you know, going to the beach and having to, you know, wipe off oil, guck off your feet because there was an oil spill in the Gulf of Mexico every other week. And nobody seemed to notice or care. Um, the whole thing about the too much chlorine in the pool and you know corporal punishment and how basically all the parents seem to have like a backroom deal where they could abuse each other's kids. Yeah. Um, like all of that is just just that like it's fascinating because that's not something you would get at uh, something like the Wonder Years, or would be like more <laughs> likely played for laughs on the Wonder Years, like, hey, remember when you like you could beat your like I remember back in the day your parents could beat your kids, yuckity yuck yuck yuck. That's um <laughs> that's not how it's played in this movie and the other part of it that's played that that's really interesting too is that in a movie that's you know venerating this idea of universal camaraderie in the the wake of the the moon landing it makes room for the voices who were um sort of the peter Salmons of their time who were like well you know it four percent of nasa's employees are black um you know the the idea of like well for all the money we're spending on sending people to the moon so, so we can stick it to the Soviets. you know how many schools could we be building how many families could we be feeding and it's it's interesting yeah. in the midst of all that um
1: And his, uh, the one daughter, uh, (laughs) his like oldest daughter was all on board with that. I, and I, since the very beginning when she makes the comment about a hippie, she likes the hippie for the first time. The mom hates it. And she's like, I like him. He looks cool. He looks like, you know, my scene. And uh, I related to her definitely (laughs) the whole film. (laughs) And it was, it was cool. Yeah. It wasn't just a singular look at uh, someone's point of view. Um, it, well actually it was, but luckily the narrator, you know, Jack Black, the main character, um, cared enough about his family and watched enough TV to, like you said, give us a more broad look at this era. I, I loved the, um, the TV scene where you see, um, you know, social activists in New York, you know, the black individuals and other people um, describing exactly what you said, where the, the taxes is, is going to the, uh, to the wrong thing towards NASA. And that, that's something I agree with. Although this film also made me understand, I think, further why so many people loved
0: it. Well, there's a lot of things going on there. And number one is apparently this was like part of the coverage at the time. Um, I can't imagine if something like the Mars landing were to happen, if they would bring on people who would say like, you know what? Maybe we're pissing away money in the middle of, you know, this momentous human event. Um, you know, I, I find that interesting because that's a, that's an aspect of the media. We don't really touch on no. the time. We sort of see the clips of, Cronkite celebrating the moon landing but we don't see like the hour i mean also keeping in mind too the they land on the moon and then there are several hours when you're waiting for them to actually go get out and walk on the moon too well i want to check I-, I i'm curious if that is what it was like in real
1: life in which case i was not aware that i just assumed they land and they step out right but that made it look uh
0: no no it- it that. made it that actually happened like it it was hours. yeah no but i mean because they had to to put on the suits and it you know they were living in that small lander um and you know you had to that suit was not easy to put on um especially in that small space and uh you had to make sure that suit was on perfectly because there was sort of like no margin of error so no that's a I, I was curious about that too, but no, that is a real thing. They didn't just land on the moon, get out, and walk around. Yeah. Like, so
1: I actually, uh, from this film, it's not a doc, it's fictional, but I actually then have learned about the 1969 moon landing, which is cool. It shows I too that, you know, Richard Linkletter, he's very devoted to it
0: mm-hmm.
1: and did some good research.
0: Mm-hmm. But I did like that scene that you were talking about where they, they're on the college campus and like, is that a hippie? It was like, well, mm-hmm. it's, no nah, his hair's not long enough it's it's kind of i mean it, it's i'm not sure if it was link letters intent but it also but it kind of like reminds me of you know i'm sure in the 60s there were a lot of people throwing around the word hippie for somebody who they didn't like um pretty much how oh, yeah. some people throw around the word communist like oh you're a communist you're a socialist without kind of having any idea like someone who has if you could you know if someone's hair reaches a point of no return, they are then a hit or if they're wearing bell bottoms as the mother concludes, Oh, he's wearing bell bottoms. Oh, that that's, yep. That's a hippie. Then (laughs) Um, it's, it's, it's sort of fascinating to sort of see those parallels between then and now too. We can just throw around words like hippie or socialist and it means what we think it means.
1: Yeah. Well, and also just, um, not even just to portray the, uh, hippie culture, although mm. you know it was a huge part of it. The music in this was uh, was yeah, outstanding. Yeah, it music. was. um right. I remember. I don't, it, I don't think it was a fight, but we talked about the Guardians of the Galaxy the one time, and I didn't like its soundtrack because mm-hmm. it was a lot of seventies, and I thought it was, you know, hits you've heard before, everybody has. Um, but I, I guess I just looked more into it. I, I just listened to maybe a higher average of you know sixties and seventies. But <laughs> this one, there's a lot I hadn't heard, and there's some real good classics played throughout and uh for me it's uh, i'm a huge donovan fan and there was a lot of there was a lot of donovan throughout which is uh which is really great um yeah hurdy gurdy man it uh, was one of the intro ones it is yeah it's a donovan um so the, yeah the soundtrack's great good representation of uh the era of the sixties, you know um and because it's not just hippie like donovan there, there's a good amount of uh the monkeys on it too i guess they're kind of they're more like pop right but i guess people call, yeah. it, call them hippies but uh yeah there's them too and then later there's uh when it's closer to the 70s there's some i'm looking here there's some uh pink floyd i'm not a huge pink floyd fan but i know a lot of people that's their kind of classic rock not uh more of the pop that I'm a fan of. So just spread throughout, you know, a wide amount, not just hippie genre uh, music all around phenomenal in this.
0: Yeah. I, I did like that. Um, I like any kind of soundtrack that doesn't, you know, make you uh, that I I guess doesn't pick the hits. I mean, certainly there were hits and, you know, the monkeys uh, are kind of like prime examples of that pretty much. For, for a period of like a year and a half, anything the monkeys put out was yeah. dead. But um, well, the show too, right? They were just everywhere Yeah, they had they had good. We'll marketing show first, huh? I think maybe, Yeah,
1: I, I don't the know birds what too. I like the birds.
0: It's just I, all around, yeah. I can't remember which came first: the the monkeys, the act, or the monkeys, the show. But I mean, it, yeah, the show did its part in terms of elevating their appeal. Yeah, the, the music was good. I like the the use of the. Although I, I do sometimes wonder if maybe it went too far with like a. It's sort of this introspective, like, oh yeah, we watched all the shows. We watched Star Trek and I Dream of Genie and Petticoat Junction and Twilight Zone. It's just like, okay, we get it. You had a TV guide in 1969. Um, yeah, that's fair. That's fair.
1: I, I think that was more of a description from Jack Black, the narrator, on what all was playing. I don't know if it was just a list of what they're watching.
0: Um, yeah, I, I don't know what that was, but I mean yeah. and, and there was like when we kind of see the the the, the, the like umpteenth famous movie clip us Roto- although I did find it interesting the um some of the they mentioned Sound of Music, how the grandma would take them to Sound of Music every week and he wasn't sure if it was just because Sound of Music ran forever at the theater or if it was <laughs> back every couple of months. But that's an interesting, you know, interesting sort of cultural touchstone back in the day.
2: There's nothing in here about finding them. There's so much nothing. She's the best, she. What? But my dad has pink shoes, so did my grandfather. So cute. Peace, Uh, yeah, obviously peace. Like, what a weird thing to try to test to see if someone else is into, like of course I'm into peace. No, sorry, I'm a real war person. No, war. Actually, I
1: signed all my personal letters. War. Let the battle begin, Marcel.
0: Okay, so that was a clip from Marcel, The Shell with Shoes On. It's the new film from Dean fleischer Camp, and it features the voice talents of Jenny Slate and Isabella Rosalina excuse me Isabella Rossellini and it stars Dean Fleischer camp Rosa Salazar Thomas Mann and Leslie Stahl (laughs) question mark from 60 minutes and I mean I it's so funny watching this uh watching Marcel the shell with shoes on which climaxes with uh 60 minutes interview which i don't think is something any movie has done since the insider so <laughs>
3: <laughs> homage to the insider to the tobacco scandals yeah. <laughs> it's
0: just, it's it's just interesting it, it's an interesting um, it's an interesting detail to include in that leslie stall this like storied newswoman was like so game to like yes i will come to your silly mockumentary and play myself interviewing a little animated shell why not so, <laughs> <laughs> so tim talk to us about your marcel the shell with shoes on experience
3: well i uh yeah i had requested to watch Marcel because uh, my wife and I, we went to see a movie and we saw a trailer for it and it Mm -hmm. looked weird and wonderful. (laughs) And, uh, it is a weird and wonderful little movie. I didn't know all the backstory that there had been some short, short films put out with Marcel, Mm -hmm. um, previous to this over like 12 years ago, the first one came out. Um, but yeah, watching it, it was like, yeah, so weird, but like, so, life-affirming and uh -hmm. such a sweet sweet movie um and there's such a sense of community in it too how you know Marcel is without his family his family has disappeared and uh and uh you know his quest to get them back and Dean the filmmaker who puts himself in the story you know as the one interviewing Marcel and Dean's going through his own issues, having just gone through a separation Mm -hmm. and, uh, it's and Isabella Rossellini as Connie. (laughs) is just tremendous as this, this sweet, sweet old shell, right? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Sweet old shell Mm -hmm. who, um, who's sort of like a mentor to, uh, Marcel and unfortunately she's going through health issues and uh yeah so there's a lot of heavy issues here you know uh focusing on aging and and death and separation so despite all that Marcel's there with this sort of this sweet innocent outlook on life uh which I really I I really really touched me and at the same time Marcel just says it the way it is too there's a lot of just funny jokes where the the dog uh the the dog's an idiot why is he why is he barking why is he barking at that yeah why is he barking all the time you know it's just very very blunt very childlike and uh yeah I, I really enjoyed the film I thought this is such an odd little movie but it works and uh, yeah there may be sequels in the future and I'll definitely be uh, going out to the theater to see those too
0: yeah this is such a it's such an odd movie and I don't mean that pejoratively it, it's just it's um, it's very art house, but at the same time it's very accessible and I mean I went and saw it at the bookshelf on saturday night and there were kids there like people brought their kids um and i thought for, like because it's you know it started the show started at eight thirty, so i thought you know young kids you know it's late at night late at night by kids standards um you know are they going to sit there it's you know <laughs> the shell philosophizes <laughs> and you know we go through aunt Co- uh nanny connie issue uh her issues and um you know this kind of. I mean, there's also comments on like filmmaking as a, as an art, like documentary making. Like both Marcel and and Connie have to tr- are, are sort of led through this understanding of what a documentary is, and so there's some commentary commentary on this. Like, are these kids going to sit here for 90 minutes and and chew on all this? And they did yeah he did like those the kids were engaged every minute of this movie and that is like that is so remarkable because i mean there is some like straight up kind of adult humor in places too like the 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 scene where uh marcel goes into the bathtub and says you know these these curly hairs are the best for making rope and she calls them he calls them uh hardy hairs or something and so (laughs) (laughs) why are you laughing and (laughs) there's this kind of thing the artistry i i want to you know, it, it, this is like a strangely like a great summer for stop motion because you get this, um, but also Phil Tippett's Mad God, which he was, you know, working on for like 30 years. Um, it's, it's on Shutter, And I, I'm by no means saying if you love Marcel, the with <laughs> shoes on go watch Mad God. I'm not saying <laughs> that at all. But in terms of like finding new appreciation for the artistry of stop motion, um, this has been a pretty good summer with those two things.
3: Yeah, it's really very interesting to watch. And such a weird concept to begin with, right? Mm -hmm. And it goes back to 2010 or before then, whenever they came up with this, just a shell with shoes on, (laughs) you know? (laughs) It's like one eye, (laughs) you know? How do you you come up with this? Uh, You know, which is cool just to be so quirky and just go with it, right? Mm -hmm. Just say, we're going to call this Marcel the shell with shoes on, you know? This is just... Just what we're gonna do you know (laughs) we're not gonna try to try to edit it in any way just so I thought I thought that was that was cool and Leslie Stahl from 60 Minutes bringing her in um (laughs) that was great because you know also you're saying like you know Connie most likely is going through dementia and Connie and Marcel, they're, one thing they love doing together is watching 60 Minutes. So, mm-hmm. And I think a lot of people with elderly parents or loved ones, they have that favorite show or shows they watch together. So <laughs> right. it's yeah. very, very realistic in a way. So for a yeah. movie called Marcel the Shell with Shoes On, realistic in a lot of ways too, right? All yeah. that great artistry with the stop motion, but kind of just cuts to the core of like just issues people face and it does so. And in, in a way that still makes you still makes you happy after seeing it. Right. You're still very, very up. uh, uh and, and just, I think it was very life affirming. Uh It took a shell to make me see that.
0: <laughs> <laughs> no, it is so life. I mean, and there's like, Oh, it, you know, there's just such touching moments where, um, marcel talks about you know finding peace of mind it's like you can be alone in a room but if there's like a party going on in the next room and you sort of hear the people laughing and carrying on and having a good time you 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 know you can find serenity as well as reassurance just because like there's some people hanging out in the next room and and you know there's such i i don't know what i don't know what you would call it but you know there is that sort of peace of mind that you could separate from. I, I, I think we, we get this commentary a lot that it, you know, we, we are in a very noisy world. We're constantly bombarded with things. We have a, th- a little brick in our pocket that's constantly badgering us for our attention, but it's okay to just step away. It's okay to step away and go to the laundry room and look out and, and feel the breeze on your face. And th- one of the things I found about this movie is just, you know, it begins with quiet and it ends with quiet it, it opens with this quiet of where you just hear the breeze around the house. And there's like maybe some music playing far off, like maybe in the room, maybe upstairs. Then you just see the tennis ball bouncing down the stairs. And of course, Marcel does this thing where he goes into the tennis ball and rolls around. Um, but then the movie ends with Marcel at the window in the laundry room as the, as the breeze passes through his shell and it's just this quiet sound. And then it goes to black. And you just hear the sound. It, it just it's it, it's so soothing and reassuring. It's just such, it's just you know movies. Modern movies we aren't typically well known for quiet, mm-hmm. and so that's. I, I found that very kind of soothing at the end of that movie. That it just ends with this kind of quiet, of just the breeze passing through the shell.
3: Yeah, that's great. Very zen like yeah. and. Yeah, I I try to seek out sometimes, sometimes more silent movies or movies with silences, and this is interesting in a way because it's still, I think, very traditionally entertaining. Yet it has those silences, yeah, which is, which is really, uh, you know, really, really cool because, you know, a lot of the more silent movies. I guess a director really known for American director, like Jim Jarmusch sometimes in his movies. Right. Um, it's not, he gets more into like everyday life and the silence is there. And mm-hmm. this one is just, yeah, I think it's interesting because you said that the children who were there at the screening, they, they were enthralled by it. Mm-hmm. So yeah, they've sort of, they've created this formula, uh, maybe that's not the best word for it. Cause it's hard to say, Marcel, the shell with shoes on is a formula. <laughs> yeah, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> but that works, right. That, you know, makes brings about these emotions in people mm-hmm. in sort of a movie that I think could have broad appeal. If people, yeah, maybe aren't skeptical based on the title or based on the poster or anything like that. Right you know
0: yeah i mean it's it's not just it's a kid's movie but it's not just a kid's movie and it's i mean it's very hard i i, I did not see any trailers for this before seeing it which is very rare for me because i always watch a trailer just to get a sense of things but it, it um it is not what you expect and like there are moments at the beginning where i'm, I'm kind of like just watching them go about the day and filming stuff and filming random stuff and i'm like how are you making a 90 minute movie out of this but you know you look back and it it all unfolds quite beautifully um in terms of how it builds it up and then like sort of just gently lets you off it is um it 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 is a, a really lovely movie and uh boy it's, it's just it's it's hard to it's hard to think about like superlatives about it just it's it's a movie that just happens it just gently happens it washes over you and then you leave and you think about like some of these funny lines or these poignant moments and you know there's a really there, there's also some tear-jerking moments obviously in the course of the story too and it's uh it just happens and it's beautiful
3: <laughs> it is yeah like I, I'm trying to come up with a comparison, and I almost was thinking like Mister Rogers' mm-hmm. uh, Beautiful mm-hmm. Day in the Neighborhood. I really like that film, but even that, you know, you don't have the you don't have the sharp com- comedy that you have in this too, right? Mm-hmm. Like that's what I really appreciate. It, uh, I appreciate all of it, but when Marcel will just tell it like it is too, mm-hmm. you know. So you still have you know the sweet stuff, and then you have the stuff like that dog's an idiot kind of thing. So. <laughs> Yeah. You know, that's, that's, that's rare, right? That's, you know, comedy and drama mixed together, which a lot of people try to do, but I think this worked. It was just like, yeah, just something, something you could watch. Yeah. I could probably watch this multiple times and still be quite entertained by it and quite captivated by it.
0: I think so too. And and so, you know, I think the message of the, the day is like if you can find this movie on the big screen, uh, check it out but um if you can find it at all check it out it's um there's nothing really like it and that's um that's really rare these days when you go to the movies but that's it for this week's show i'm afraid we hope you liked it And if, if you want to listen to it again you can find it on our website at endcreditsradioshow.com. you can download it from the guelph politicast channel every friday at podbean or you can get it through your favorite podcast app at Apple, Stitcher, Google, TuneIn, and Spotify. When you're on Spotify, you can find the playlist for much of the music that you hear on the show. Just open up Spotify and search for End Credits on CFRU. You can find us on social media on Facebook at End Credits Radio Show and on Twitter at End Credits Radio. And Tim, where can people find you on the internet?
3: On the internet, flashing the deadpan on social media. Feel free to reach out if you have any other suggestions. Or movies like Marcel the Shell with Shoes on.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Any other shell-based movies you can find. Uh, That may be limited to the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles catalog, but I digress. Okay. Uh, <laughs> I will be back here uh, in repeat form Thursday at five PM for News and Politics on Open Sources Guelph with Scotty Hertz. We're taking a break from that show for a couple of weeks. But we are running some uh, best of. In the meantime, I'm on Twitter and Instagram at Adam a. Donaldson, and you can check out my News and Politics site at GuelphPolitico.ca, and you can stay tuned for more great programming here on CFRU ninety three point three FM, CFRU.ca, Guelph Campus and Community. Radio. We shall return next Wednesday at 3 p.m. for another new edition of End Credits, and we will see you then.